Holy Spirit, so much God, and in the most unexpected place ever, if you're ready for this, it all came together just 30 miles, 30 miles, not even that, it was about, actually about 10 miles actually, south of Portland, Oregon. You wouldn't believe how much Holy Spirit there was there. When you're looking for God, look in all the places you don't think he's going to show up, and then he shows up, and then you're like... Oh my gosh, it was incredible. Can't wait to tell you about it. We're going to talk real quick here about just getting yourself prepped. And I've got a few things to say that are really important. Um, obviously, we've taken care of your food supplies. So we're going to give our call out to our one of our favorite sponsors, My Patriot Supply. Patriots, do you feel like the world is being held together with duct tape and bailing wire? It sure seems like it. Every day, we're thrown new distractions by the fake news to pull us from the reality we're all about to face. Between the government trying to print their way out of debt, global military conflicts, and a looming food shortage, preparedness is no longer a choice. It's a necessity. In times like these, you can trust My Patriot Supply. 
Their three-month emergency food kit comes packed with tasty, and I mean tasty, meals with over 2,000 calories per day. And right now, you'll automatically get $200 in free survival gear with each kit you order. These products will save the day when crisis comes, and it's coming soon. Self-reliance is our only option. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and get $200 worth of free survival essentials with your three-month emergency food kit. Everything is in stock and ready to go, with free shipping too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com before the next disaster strikes. MyPatriotSupply.com. Patriots, as I have said, food security is the foundation for personal sovereignty. Check it out today. All right, Patriots, today I was checking out a couple of channels one of which I follow regularly. I'm not going to mention the name just because of what I'm going to say next because I have a tremendous amount of respect for this guy's work. And he's a prepper, and he does some really good prep stuff. But what really struck me today was he's had this kind of sudden realization that he's not prepped enough. And this is a guy that is a good prepper. And what I was surprised to find was he was coming to the realization that he had too much reliance on engines, so petroleum-based stuff, and electricity. And he was going into the discussions about some of the animals he was raising, and you know he had he was doing okay on his proteins of his chickens and goats, but he was starting to get into cattle, and it was, he kind of came to the realization that cattle were going to be a much bigger issue. They are, because it's like a two-year I just have a I have a new bull, right? And so it's going to be two years before we can even use him to breed. So it's a longer turnaround for cattle. So I just wanted to put a couple things out here because we're coming into a pretty interesting window. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but things are really heating up. You know that Edward Dowd said last week that this week this whole stock market could implode, which is possible. I don't know. Don't care can't control it. God's with us. We got all that stuff. But in terms of just common sense thinking, everything I've talked about in terms of gardening, for example, I do without any power tools, no rototillers, hand dig. I use the broad fork, which, you know, that about that's tread light, tread light broad forks, which they're, that's a great deal, free shipping, all that stuff. That's underneath the podcast. But I use, all, I'm like right now I'm getting beekeeping stuff right now. And I'm getting a, a, a honey extractor for the frames. And they have all sorts of different versions, but I'm getting a manual one, right? Um, everything I'm trying to do is geared towards working in a model where we're not reliant on the main system. That's not 100% possible because I'm not Amish and I don't have all that. But I'm just throwing this out there to consider when you're doing things. Surprisingly, finding stuff that's manual and doesn't have some sort of digital chip in it is probably harder than we, it should be. But just think very practically when you're doing your preps. And I, I just really want to push that out there because anything with a motor, anything with a, a circuit is going to have to be maintained at some point. Anything with a mechanical crank is going to be able to be maintained by you. Anything that uses your body force is going to be easy to maintain and use and not be dependent on these other external necessities like fuel or things like that. And again, this isn't all possible, okay, because I'm, I'm not going to start like myself. I'm not going to start buying a, a couple horses 
and try to spend the next three years figuring, figuring out how to ride a horse. I'm going to buy an ATV. But as, as we go through these things, just think in terms of your preps, in terms of how can you, how well will you do without electricity? And not to get excited about it, but try to narrow your focus down to a place where you can identify simple things like I can cook on this surface, say like a barbecue, that's a good one, charcoal barbecue, right? Rocket stove, that's another new one, or another one. If you're going to use fuels like propane, there's there are good options, but make sure you've got something in residual to keep yourself going. If you have a car, make sure you have a bicycle, right? So just little things like that. I don't know where how crazy this is going to get. We really have no idea. But I want to talk to you about something more exciting. And that's really what I'm just totally energized tonight. So I had a pretty amazing week last week back east, back in Charlottesville at Morningstar. And it was an amazing time with some really amazing people. I'm really blessed to have been there and very blessed to have been part of that. And then I flew back on Thursday night to Eugene and then I drove up to Tigard, Oregon, which is just about, eh, it's about 15 miles from downtown Portland. It's, and it's on the edge of Lake Oswego, which is another, it's kind of a elite bedroom community out there. I, I'll be honest with you, it's like the last place in the world I would have expected the Holy Spirit to show up. So Saturday morning, I spent the whole day Friday just kind of getting caught up from the trip. We did our shows, you know that. Great shows, by the way. Just, I mean, just the... The presence of God has just been tremendous lately. And so Saturday, we go to this small church, and it, it's just it's a, just in a commercial building that they're building out to make this church. It's pretty cool, in an industrial area. And they've called together, like, leading pastors from the entire area, the metro area of Portland. I was asked to come up and... We had um, a couple people from back east show up and a couple people from Midwest show up. And the whole topic that we were in was about kind of reigniting, a, getting the, the spirit of revival going in Portland. And one of the guest speakers there was a fairly profound or a fairly well-known uh, prophetic and he was there to kind of, he was there to energize people, and he did. He did a great job. Um, I'm trying to find his name here because I didn't, I don't, it's, uh, I won't find it here in a minute. Lou, Lou Engel, if you know who that is. Lou Engel. He was part of Promise Keepers. So watch how God works. This is, first of all, I want to kind of set the conditions. I was just at Morningstar with Brad Cummings. I had no idea who Lou Engel was, nor did I um, even know he was going to be there. And so on the, as I'm driving up from the airport, Brad, texted, Brad Cummings texted me and said, hey, you might think about checking out Lou Engel. He's going to probably be there and make sure and share with him what you, the vision you had when you were down in, in, uh, in Glad Tidings last fall. And that was when we were at the Isaiah 61 conference when I literally had this whole vision of war angels and, and that Portland was going to be a very significant place 
for the revival in the nation. So we get into this place, into this assembly, and they start doing prayer and worship. I've been to a lot of prayer and worship. I think we've all been to a lot of prayer and worship. Something happened. Like Holy Spirit happened. And I'm not kidding you. I have never been in a prayer and worship like this. People stopped singing. They started just, it wasn't words. It was didn't stop singing. They started to sing from their heart. And this is a really beautiful space. It's got an atrium top on it, so the light and the natural light comes down into the center. And there were tables. We were all sitting at tables all around. And there's a balcony that was completely clear. And the music changed. And the only way I can describe it was the pure and loving heart of people that are chasing after Jesus. I'm one of them. I fell on my knees and just started crying. It was unbelievable. And you could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And here we are, like I said, in the last place you would ever expect this to be. And, you know, like I said, about 13, 15 miles from downtown Portland where Antifa Central is. And what comes out of this is just this presence of putting all of ourselves before the throne, literally. And it's just this unbelievable melody of voices with a subtle, just like there was one person just kind of keeping the, very quietly keeping the, the, the melody going with a guitar. But the whole room just became electrified. And you would think, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, you really, I had to even ask myself, is this even us? Because it was so unbelievably and unbelievable and melodic. The light just kind of poured into the room. Had people up in front that were just sobbing. Had people just so in love with Jesus. And what really struck me, and it's just kind of what Father put on my heart, was you're now understanding how we win. We really go after things hard because we, well, it's how we learn to fight. But we don't put enough emphasis on just the melodies of our heart that we sing in joy and praise the Lord. And we don't do this enough anywhere we go. I think one of the benchmarks of Asbury was that they did so much of the prayer and worship, but this was at another, I mean, I don't, I wasn't at Asbury, so I can't speak to Asbury. Someone was there though that had been in Asbury and even he was moved by this moment. And I really think that when we get to that place and we're sitting before the throne and we're really willing to put ourselves before the throne, then we start to really realize just how much 
God has given us in our hearts. There's a this real thing about seeking, and I talked about this on Friday, on Friday evening show. And it really came to life on Saturday is that for this period of time, which probably went on for like 15 minutes and just holding that space for 15 minutes was profound. We weren't seeking. We were looking at the face of father God because he's within us in our heart and we weren't having to race in there. If you remember what I said on Friday, I said is seeking is like going into a, forest. You go for a hike in a forest, you lose your watch. And you've in the process of this, you have no idea where you dropped it. You know you've gone on the trail and off the trail. You can't even remember where you got on the trail or off the trail. And so you get back and you decide you're going to go back and search for your watch. You're going to go seek your watch. And you have no idea where it is. So you're just kind of randomly, you're trying to remember where you were and then trying to remember where you got off. And you're randomly walking this whole forest thinking you're going to find the watch. That's a parallel to seeking God. And there's literally no no reason we should be doing this. God is within us. In a most profound way, he's in us. He's in our heart. All we have to do is look in and accept him and humble ourselves before him and give ourselves to him, and he is there. And that's what happened on Saturday. Not with one, not with two, but with a group of the size of about I'm going to say roughly 50 people. And the entire melody in that room changed. The entire energy changed. When it all happened and everybody got to that same place all at once, you just were ready for Jesus to walk in the room. You were ready for like war angels to just settle in and the angels to coming off the rafters, which actually I think was what exactly what was happening. And just you could just feel the joy of tears flowing out of heaven. And it's just such a powerful reminder for us as we're walking in this place right now with so much turmoil to just how much Father really has us. And there's going to be a lot of reveals here that are not going to be easy. We know that. And we know a lot of what's coming at us is going to continue to test us because the enemy's pushing us. But you know, this last week has been so profound for me. I've gone into two spaces that I'm not native to. At a prophetic conference and as a guest and having prophecy placed over me that was by someone who knew nothing about me that was so on point that it just it was like getting a telegram from God himself. And then I did an interview, as you know, last Thursday with, who I never knew this man, Bishop Wellington Boone. Great discussion. So then I arrive at this conference, and I literally, I just, I just, just came up on my radar anyway before I'd gone to Charlotte, shortly before. So I didn't even have time to really check it out. They just asked me to come to the round table. And so after this prayer and worship, We have Lou Angle telling his prophecy and why he was there. Now, for many, they knew this. I, I never knew this prophecy, so I'm just listening. 
and he goes through, he's like, I'm, I was with the promise keepers. Brad, by the way, was with the promise keepers. And uh, Lou's very well known for his work. Heavy on prayer, super big on prayer as, as a weapon system and taking communion, just big on taking communion. So he's giving his prophecy, and then he adds the point. He says, I don't even know if this prophecy is true, but I'm going to believe in what God showed me, and I'm going to move forward. The thing is, his prophecy was almost exactly, I had another dimension of it, but on the foundation, it was in parallel to exactly what God showed me last fall while I was at the Isaiah 61 conference and it just this entire vision that was shown before me. And so as I'm sitting there, I get this big push from the Holy Spirit. I stand up and I just, I said, I need the mic. And as I hand the mic, it's like everything comes together. I said, you don't know me, Lou. I said, but you and I have a common best friend. It's Brad Cummings. And he just looks at me and goes, Brad? And I go, yeah. And he says, and I said, I just was with Bishop Wellington Boone. He goes, Bishop Boone? He's promise keepers, Bishop Boone. And then I laid out what God had showed me. It was an absolute confirmation for him for what had happened. And when you get to things like this, you realize just how profound we are tied together in, in the weave of, that God puts in this earth. The randomness of going to an event in Charlotte to find the connections that lead me back to a randomness of a conference, that a roundtable that I'm put at, to ultimately be there to testify a confirmation of someone else's prophecy. That's huge. And it's the sort of place we go to and are humbled by the power of the Holy Spirit. This time right now we are in, God is moving so profoundly. And all we have to do is literally not seek him, simply to seek his face and accept him before us humbly because he's in our heart. God's here. He's within us. And unfortunately, we spend so much time racing around trying to tell ourselves and convince ourselves of things like, oh, Father, I, I, know, you won't, I know you will be with us. I know you will give us strength. Of course you will. And I think this is the big issue is we have to get past this point of questioning or doubting or hesitating, but simply accepting that he is there in the most profound and miraculous way. And as we do that, we know him. So on my trip last fall, I had an amazing encounter when I was in Alabama. And I was taken over to an old native, it's a Native American ritual site. And I was asked, the person that led me there just said, look, I'm going to, God's told me just 
you need to walk this and see what happens. And it's a long walk through a, a, a wall that was built into a kind of a meeting area. It's a unique place. And again, it's, it's this point of us asking what we see, if we, if we are going to confirm it, do we believe what we see, do we believe what we hear, or are we going to doubt it? And when we're listening to our heart, our heart speaks a very different language than our brain. Our brain is built around doubt and tends to be very hesitant about what we see. So I did this long walk path, and I just just opened myself up to wherever God led me, and I walked into this circle. It's like a big half-circle little amphitheater. And it's all vacant from the eyes, let's be clear. But my heart shows me that Christ is standing there, and there's a, it's all filled with these, the only way I can describe them, are war angels. So I, I'm motioned in, and I sit down, and then I'm called up, and Jesus says to me, tell them who they are. That's your mission. So I, and I go on my way. So I'm sitting at this prophetic conference. And this is led by Rick Joyner, who wrote The Quest. And he says, I had an encounter with Father God, or it may have been Jesus, however he framed it, last spring, he said. And Rick and I have never met before. I want to be very clear about this. And the story I just shared with you, I've only shared with one other person or two, but it's not shared. So there's no communication between Rick and I. I'm just clarifying the grounds here. And Rick says before the group, and Jesus led, to, led me and said to me, tell them who they are. These are the sorts of things that really open your eyes in the most profound way to the power of the Holy Spirit when they're speaking and you're hearing. And as that walk that we make when we're starting to listen to our heart and we're looking for ways to confirm, and we have things like this, these are big confirmations how God's speaking. We see the randomness of this frequently. But when we have it happen to us, we just realize where the real communication is and how it's starting to come about. Someone asked in chat the other day, do you hear the word, the voice of God? The answer is yes, and it takes many forms. That's how I'm going to answer it. Sometimes I've had the presence of Jesus right before me. Sometimes it's a spoken word. Sometimes it's an impression on the heart. Sometimes it's an impression of something we see, but it's like looking into the mind's eye. And all of that leaves us at times a bit questioning. Did I really hear that? Did I really say that? Did it, was it really God's word? And the problem is when our brain kicks in and it starts to rationalize, it starts to tell us things like, no, that couldn't be. That's just you, you're just you trying to make that up. But our heart is where God speaks to. It's truly the engine and the brain of the body and the soul. 
but the brain itself becomes the override. And so as we are confronted with these moments, like that confirmation and many others, I won't go into all the others, this whole week had an amazing number of confirmations for me. You start to realize that you're beginning to really hear as God is speaking to you. I think in the way we construct God, we it's like somebody who's outside of us too often and not accessible to us. And then it's and with the images that we have of what we're gonna hear from God, it's gonna be something like, you know, the music's gonna play and the sky's gonna open and Jesus is gonna come down before us and light's gonna fill the room. And after talking sharing some of my experiences and talking to many of these prophetics, that doesn't, I didn't hear anybody describe anything like that. In fact, what makes it challenging is God's voice often is very subtle. But we have to find a way to hear it. And part of that hearing is trusting and listening to our heart. It's an exercise that literally we have to go through to listen and focus on listening to our heart. Unfortunately, when we get into the realm of prophetics, there's a lot of people self-proclaimed that like to make this a studio sideshow or a stage side event. And it's like everybody they come to, they have to prophesize on. And that's... I don't think that's, I think that's more of a circus act. I'm not saying there aren't some that can do it. I don't know. But when we're walking with Jesus and we're putting, we're putting ourselves before the throne and we are seeking the face of Father and we're putting our heart there truly in a place, the only way we are going to get before that throne is just like what happened in Portland. We're going to get there when we have a true loving and forgiving heart. Because if we're bringing anything to that place that has baggage, hateful, anger, types of ideas that we're going to wield vengeance by our own hand, any of that, we aren't getting to that throne. Because we can't be. God can't be near sin. And God can't be near that sort of anger. But when we truly humble ourselves... And we put ourselves before the throne. And we accept, not chase, not seek, but know he's there. And we begin to put our lean into that idea of what our heart is speaking is tied to God's voice. And we start to trust in that. You, we'll figure out sooner or later what works and what doesn't. But it's the trusting where things begin to really open up. And as we push into that place, it's the power of the sword of the Spirit that begins to reveal itself in such a profound way. And it's that wielding of that Spirit when we start to realize that truly that God loves all of his children, realizing that many of them Don't even know him.
that burden rests with us. So I had a conversation with a pastor that I had met up in Plymouth Rock. I spent the evening with he and his family last night. Fantastic story. He's from Portland area. He ran a car detailing business, had his own, did very, very well. And God put on his heart, you need to close your business and you need to just be focused on the missionary work and mission work in Oregon to bring God to these people's hearts. So he has a family of 10 children. He bought as big of a fifth wheeler as he could. And the whole family sold their house and the whole family moved in and is now mobile so they can go and do ministry work wherever. And his children are profound. I mean, they just, talking to God to them, being with God is just second nature. I had a wonderful evening with him last night. But he was telling a story that is, I think, really to this point. He was talking about some sin that he was, he was burdened with. And as he was working with others to get them to release their sin, talking always about how God will forgive them because that's, we have a, we were, it, the sins were buried on the cross. Christ's sacrifice forgave us from our sin. He found himself burdened by something of his own personal in nature. I won't share. But this was his encounter with God. It got to the point where as he kept pleading for God to help him release this, God asked him the question. So what you're saying is you continue to ask me if I can forgive you, he said. That the fact that I can forgive a pedophile Somehow my forgiveness is not big enough for you. And this issue is minute compared to something like a pedophile. And this pastor is fantastic. He said it just it knocked him to his feet, knocked him to his knees. He's like, I had never thought about it that way. That as we ourselves continue to plea, we're not accepting God's forgiveness. We're seeking it, and then we continue to beat on it many times, and there's things that hang on to us. And yet God's love is so profound, he can forgive somebody like a pedophile if they come to him and repent. And yet we many times don't accept his grace of repentance and forgiveness. Even though we repent, we just continue to hang on to things. All of these things in the end burden our hearts. And as they burden our hearts, they, they blind us to the voice of God within us. So back to that moment in Portland. There's nobody in this room other than this, this what would be say well-known, other than Lou Engel, and, and I just met him. I did have a good conversation with him afterwards, too. But all of these pastors in that room, whatever they came with, whatever the it was on their hearts, whatever they were dealing with, and every one of them is confronting challenges right now in their ministry. They're confronting the challenges of Antifa. Remember, Antifa controls downtown Portland. And many of them are, are struggling with this idea that they've been ministering inside their walls while Antifa has been running wild outside their walls. 
And that's a whole challenge for the church in itself. And yet for a moment of time, all of those burdens, all of those worries, all of those things that people were there to seek of wondering how revival could happen, there was a moment when we accepted God and accepted everything as present and real. And it was literally, had we been able to hold that, revival would have sparked, I believe, uncontrollably in Portland. It was that powerful. Now, we weren't at a revival meeting, our own intention. We were talking, and sadly, we were talking about revival, which the, the minute you get into the mechanics of things, it just kind of all falls apart. But to witness that power within the moment of the, of the Holy Spirit present as we put everything aside, every single one of us in that room put everything aside, and the only focus was on the glory of the throne and saying yes. And I think it's that simple. When we truly accept and say yes and commit ourselves 100% to the Lord, whatever we're grinding on, whatever we're frustrated by, whatever we're concerned with, whatever we're fearing, it just gets cast out. And it isn't to say that we aren't going to stumble in those places again, but it's cast out. I've read a lot of things in this last six months of people sharing their their position of like how tired they are, how it's difficult to move on. Not in that place it isn't. Not in the place of before the throne is it, unless you're carrying it yourself. Because in the place where you've completely let go and submitted to Father God, it is empowering. It is freeing. It is the most joyous, incredible place ever. And there's nothing before you that you can possibly, that can possibly affect you. It's that perfect. And as that taste settles in on you, that experience impregnates you. You just, you realize how complicated we've made life. Or maybe another way of putting it, how much complication we've accepted in life as being the normal. It's not that difficult, but man, does our world make it difficult. Man, do we make it difficult. We, our brains are on overdrive. And all of this information flow that's coming out here right now is intended specifically to just keep us occupied, busy, brains flipping over and over. Let's look at where we started the show very briefly, which is the concept of prepping, preparations. There's a lot of things going on right now. So if we're listening to Father and I, I am, and I'm not saying you aren't. I'm just saying what I'm getting from Father is be vigilant. But there's no anxiety. There's an urgency, but there's no anxiety. Be vigilant. Now, is the vigilance because there's something 
coming that's going to destroy the whole world and leave us running around like Mad Max and killing each other and trying to fight to get a little drip of petroleum from the warlords that own the petroleum and then being strapped on the front of a high-powered machine as they race, do car races across the desert? I don't know. No, probably not, but that's definitely a good fantasy we have. And if Hollywood's given it to us, they want us to believe in that sort of end. Or is urgency simply to prepare for a significant change and challenge ahead? But as long as you're leaning into me, I will take care of you. I'd say yes. That's Father. And as we're pushing into that place and abiding by his will, there's zero to fear. And yet we continually letting our brains write the narrative of what is to come. When we know very well, we have no real knowledge of what is to come unless you've been given a specific vision by Father God. But we're simply walking in faith. And to walk in faith, we have to walk in the loving, forgiving space with him. Leaning into him for any form of justice and understanding that justice is delivered by his timing on the bigger scales before us as we walk in truth before us. And if we're being tasked to do things, it shouldn't be an urgency of burden. It should be an urgency of excitement and joy. There's always going to be challenges that aren't going to be fun. But as as we're walking with him, any of those challenges truly become just a part of our depth of experience of growth and being refined in the in the furnace. Sunday nights have become just a, a conversation. And it's an experience of the week. And God's given me so much this last week. It's just hard even to articulate every piece. And you can't, I can't bring to you here the experience of what happened in Portland. But what I can tell you is that in a place that should you would never expect by the way we frame things to be, the Holy Spirit to show up, it was alive and very excited. We hear often people will say like, oh, Oregon, it's a blue state. Oh, or California, it's a blue state. And everybody talks about leaving. I would tell you this. If you want to experience what's about to happen in the coming months and you want to experience the power of how the Holy Spirit's going to work, start paying attention to what's going to happen in the Northwest and Northern, Northern California. Because the people that are here are hungry. And they're excited and they're joyous in the Father and they're joyous in the Holy Spirit and they're running after Jesus. And they know that they've learned a hard lesson. Evil left unfettered will destroy everything. But when we start to really push in and trust in Jesus, no matter where he leads us, even if it means walking amongst Antifa, we bring something greater that they will never have. I'm with Lou Engel on his belief, as others have suggested or seen in their own visions, 
that as we see the, the fire start a revival across the country, the power of the revival will take root in the Northwest and Northern California and will be like a prairie fire lit across this nation. And what I witnessed in Portland was the heart of so many that are seeking it. Hearts that are awakening to the courage from a sleeping slumber or a protection of walls, realizing that their churches now have to go outside the boundaries of their walls. Having been rolled over and stomped on for the last three years, trying to maintain hope in their congregations, but finally realizing that anything is possible and that there's a welling heart of love of Jesus up here in Portland, which I didn't even know, and I live there, and I'd never experienced it until yesterday. I will just tell you from my position, it was probably the most encouraging experience I've had in watching the potential of taking back an enemy stronghold and one of the greatest strongholds in this nation, which is Portland, and realizing that all we have to do is literally accept him, seek his face, and sing praise in the joy of and the power of our hearts. And when we do that, everything is released. There's no burdens. There's nothing. And then the directions of Father begin to flow on how this executes on the ground. Exciting times. Exciting times. Let's pray. Father, we just are blessed to be here this evening. And just in reflection to the gifts that were given yesterday to witness truly the power of the Holy Spirit, I have a personal prayer for everybody. I just pray, Father, that that power, that touch of the Holy Spirit that we all witnessed can touch everyone that's listening. These are words, but they're my heart. To realize that we aren't racing after to find you, but you're right before us and you're right within us. All we have to do is submit humble ourselves and give ourselves fully to you and stop questioning what we hear in our heart, but start trusting what you give us in your love, your wisdom, and your guidance. In this time of so much noise and confusion, there's so much attempt to keep our minds busy and so busy and so noisy that they override your voice within our heart. So again, Father, I pray that we can start to find quieter minds and the power and presence of your breath and the trust of the voice that speaks deeply within us in our heart. To find the comfort, the joy, the trust, and the knowledge that where we are is where you need us and where you have us. And then as we lean farther into you, there literally are no worries. 
It's not that we don't have tasks to do, which, Father, sadly has become such a common event, is that people will simply rescind to the place of saying, well, Jesus is coming, so, I'm just, so I'll just wait it out. And we know very well that is not the tasking that's before us. Rather, it's to be bold. It's to be in the world, to be heard, to be seen, to be walking with the power of the joy of the Holy Spirit within us that so many people see it, that when they experience it, when they touch it, when they contact it, they want something like it. And that's our opportunity to lead them to the beginning of the path with Christ. May we all feel the joy and amazing glory of those moments with your presence. And may we be blessed with that incredible experience of walking in the world, just radiating with the love of Jesus. And may our presence inspire others around us to seek that sort of intimacy, power, and love within the Holy Spirit. May the burdens of anger and vengeance be cast aside, hatred, division, all of these things that are so insidiously wrong. And instead, may we humble ourselves together as one in small groups, big groups, where two or three are gathered to sing hymn, to praise, to feel that love and melody in our heart to know that through that we're literally opening up the sky to heaven and all that that brings. To remind ourselves that this war begins first in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realms, and manifests here before us. And so how we operate in that place reflects how we are in life. Guide us, Father, with your amazing wisdom. Bless us with the incredible joy that rests within us. Strengthen us with the understanding that where we are is where you intend us to be. And let us always be reminded that so much of these blessings come from our Savior, Jesus. And in Christ's holy name, amen. Prayer and worship are probably our greatest tools. Prayer and worship, something that we can't do enough of. And it's a living, breathing experience. In walking with Father, we're breathing with Father. We're experiencing everything with Him. So just a couple last thoughts. There's no formal way to talk to him. There's only one way to talk to Father, and that's to be honest and to talk. If you're worried about what words to form, you're already trying to deceive your heart. Just speak honestly. And if that seems like it's coarse because you're frustrated or because you're angry about something, you don't think he understands that? Tell him, I'm frustrated, and speak from your heart. Tell him, I'm angry, and speak from your heart. And if you're seeking the voice of Father, ask him to have a conversation with you. 
And then just make sure you give it some space for that conversation to begin. The intimate relationship with God is the one that bridges us from here to there. And it's what gives us the strength to deal with things in a level that is far beyond anything of this material and mortal world. We have everything we need. It's within us. Now we just need to put our eyes on him. And sure our heart. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
face the stars full of light And we are wild like a river Wild like the fire in your veins makes you shiver And I chase the winter out of my mind Like a dark in the distance Out of my mind